We're back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're catching up with former Vikings quarterback, Brad Johnson. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight's guest had a 17-year NFL career, which started as a ninth-round draft pick for the Minnesota Vikings back in 1994. He was an integral member of the Vikings throughout the decade in the 90s and went on to win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nowadays, he's the proud football father of a couple young men at Texas A&M University playing some football. And without further ado, please enjoy tonight's conversation with old number 14, Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, it's always great to, to catch up with you and uh, your storied career here in Minnesota and elsewhere, winning a Super Bowl at Tampa Bay. And certainly the news of the week here in Minnesota uh, surrounds Kirk Cousins and his uh, Achilles injury, which was uh, really sad to see for obvious reasons. Uh, as a quarterback, you uh, probably had to feel a lot of sympathy and empathy for watching what Kirk went through and is now going to go, have to go through to get himself back and, and, and getting back to his career. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kirk Cousins. I've watched him since he was at Michigan State, and my brother-in-law, the head coach, was at Georgia, was Mark Rick, and they played in a mm. double or triple overtime game. I'm like, who is that quarterback for Michigan State? And <laughs> so he goes, you know, late-round draft pick to Washington, and uh, you're like, golly, he, that guy's the better quarterback. You know, and you kind of keep up with his career, and you hear him say, you like that. And next thing you know, he's in Minnesota, and he's throwing 35 touchdowns a year for the last four or five years. And, and then you watch him, and, you know, it's really great, the documentary with Netflix mm-hmm. on him on the quarterback. And you kind of got to see who he is, how he operates, and all the above. And you really kind of become a fan of him. And I think the really the country, the football world's kind of endured to him now. And now you kind of realize, golly, this guy's a really, really good quarterback. And, and you hate for somebody to go through injury. And it's unfortunate, and it's kind of what you sign up for, as you know, well know Pete and, and <laughs> all the above. But, you know, if anybody can come back from it, it's going to be him and with his determination stuff. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Kirk Cousins. Uh, Brad, what, what would we have learned about you if they had done the Netflix quarterback series back in, <laughs> let's say, oh, I don't know, 95, 96? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, well, you guys same, you, you know, guys share a lot of the similarities yeah. as far as just being a late, yeah. round, you know, late round picks and then having to, yeah. to bide your time, right? You were never anointed yeah. the starter. You know what I mean? You had right. to go out there and prove it first before, right. before. So that's a different mentality. It's a different attitude. It is, and I, I've talked about it a long time. My, my dad told me a long time ago, it's, it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and mm-hmm. not be prepared. So you're already different moments of your life. I know if I would have played as a rookie, I probably would have had a one-year career and be, <laughs> you know, shoveling snow. You know what I mean? So it would have been, it was just, it was interesting. And so my time, Denny Green and Jeff Diamond and all the people, they were, they were patient with me in Minnesota and uh, gave me time, but I was ready. I was with Rich Gannon and Jim McMahon and Warren Moon, but then my time came, I was ready. Ninth round draft pick. And then same thing with Kirk Cousins, you know, went through broken foot, broken ankle, three knee surgeries, a, a neck surgery and all the above. And somewhere along the line was able to have a 17 year career and win a Super Bowl and all the above, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's fun, and looking back, when you look back at it, you're like, 
I can't believe I went through all that. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and Warren Moon was the guy here when you first started, and uh, you know you had a transition. I mean, again, you were the 227th pick or something like that in the ninth round. So, right. what was that like uh, working with uh, Warren, and 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 then eventually just taking over here with the Vikings? It is it was really unique to be with Warren at that time. Uh, he, I had a poster of him in my room <laughs> at one time, and uh, you know, next thing, and I remember him. We were. Uh, we played against him when he was in Houston. They came up to the Metrodome, and I was like, God, that guy throws a beautiful ball, you know? And the next thing you know, they, they came here. Was in my, they came to Minnesota. It was in my third year. And I really got to just I – don't, I don't believe in a mentorship. I do mm-hmm. believe in a working relationship. And he rubbed off on me in so many different ways, just how to deal with the media, how to deal with prima donna receivers, how to deal with <laughs> winning, how to deal with losing, how to deal with touchdowns, interceptions. Like, how do you become a, a pro? Playing the position, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, it worked out. We had a great relationship. I actually saw Warren. I've seen Warren three times this year at different events, and just still a great relationship with him. But you know, it, it was kind of weird when I got my job. He was hurt, uh, and I was in my last year of my contract, so I was going to leave. It just kind of worked. The timing has to work for you, and um, so the way it ended with me and him, our relationship in Minnesota as players, and uh, I kind of passed that on when I went through some. Later in my career, how I treated younger players and kind of try to pass on the torch like he did with me. I remember Warren Moon, and the one thing he told me, he gave me a little uh, rookie advice. He said, never get too high, never get too low. Just kind of stay somewhere in between. Just stay right in that middle. Do you remember anything specifically? Because it sounds like he just unloaded a ton of info on you. I'm curious about the prima donna receiver bit. I'm I'm dying to hear about some details on that. We had no prima donna. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a room full of them. Oh, that's life, though. I mean, dealing with relationships and people, and I want this and you want that, but we all want to accomplish it together, you know. So, but I think that's that's you know give and take in any relationship. But I, I, the unique story I remember with Warren. I remember uh, we we were playing the Saints, and uh, he had, he was just having it was just a rough day. I think we were losing like ten to seven or something like that. It was just a terrible day. And, but we got we got the ball down to about the eight yard line. It's third and eight. And we had to have a touchdown pass. We call a timeout. And so on the sidelines, uh, Brian Billick and Denny Green, they're like, well, is it going to be man? Is it going to be zone? Is it going to be all-out blitz? What, what's going to happen here? What, what, what do we need to do? And I remember Warren, he turned to our equipment guy, Dennis Ryan, and he said, Dennis. And, and Dennis kind of panicked. What do you need? What do you need? He says, I need, I need two things. I need uh, I need some uh, lip gloss kind of thing for his lips. <laughs> and and he said, I need a, a nail file. He always, he's always filing his nail. He always kind of put his fingernail into the mm-hmm. ball. And it kind of, you could hear the, it was like, it'd be a click sound like when he would throw it, release the ball. That's crazy. And when he asked for those two things, I'm like, okay, we're in good hands now. So I, <laughs> I didn't worry about the, the all out blitz or cover three or cover two, whatever it was. I was like, it's going to be successful. And he actually threw a corner pass to Kadri Ishmael the Q uh, in the, on the left-hand side for a touchdown, the game winner. And uh, that was Warren. Just he was calm, you know, at, at all times. You mentioned Dennis Ryan. A lot of fans may not be aware of just how much he meant to this franchise. Longtime equipment manager, just did everything. You just mentioned what he, what extra stuff he did. But what are your other yeah. memories? And just to kind of let folks know what how much Dennis Ryan meant to the players and everyone around him because uh, he retired after last year. Yep. Yeah, uh, he was unheard of. He just, he was behind the scenes at all times. If you 
if you needed something in your locker, there was a sweatshirt in there. If you needed hand warmers, the hand warmers were already in the locker. He had a, he wore a big old uh, fanny pack, just <laughs> like a suitcase <laughs> as a fanny pack. After practice, there was hot chocolate or chicken broth in there. There was whatever you needed. It was just done. And you just asked him. It was like it was always right there for you. He cared about you. And I like even when I was in coaching my kids in high school and stuff, I'd send the footballs that we'd use in high school. I'd send like ten footballs up there to them and. They would still work them in like you do, like the pro footballs. You know, like he cared about people. He cared about the Minnesota Vikings. He was there forever. The nickname was he's the best in the business. And he really, he really was and respected by all the players and just thankful that he was our yeah. equipment manager. He's the best in the business. I remember coming down to Tallahassee to do a story on you before, I think, the 98 season. You were working really hard rehabbing and he gave us some uh, really great insight into what that was like. Uh, down in uh, your old college stomping grounds, and then you end up throwing the first touchdown pass that uh, Randy Moss caught for his future Hall of Fame career, and then he got hurt the next week in St. Louis. And, man, that must have been what a roller coaster year in 1998. Um, And we're talking about what's going on with with, uh, Kirk Cousins right now, but you you kind of experienced it in a different way. Yeah, in uh, 1997, that December, we played against Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. I woke up with a with a crick in my neck and I couldn't move. I could not move. I told Randall Cunningham, I said, get ready. He's like, get ready for what? I said, I don't think I can play. I, that day I spent five hours getting massage. I was taking flexor. I was just like, and somehow I got to where I could play the game. But then as the game was going on, I had a high ankle sprain. I missed some throws. I'm like, I remember sitting in the, in the huddle. We, we called a screen pass. I'm like, I don't even know if I can throw this screen. Something was wrong. And so it slipped out of my hands and all the above. And after the game, I remember Monday night football, like it was, you got 20 cameras in your face trying to explain, like, I don't feel good. Like something's wrong, you know? Right. <laughs> and the next day you realize you only have 8% of your hand strength in your right hand compared to your left. I couldn't palm a, you know, a football. I couldn't hold up a, a pencil. Mm. I lost everything. So that whole year I worked my tail off, got strength back in my hand, was able to throw uh, Randy Moss's first touchdown pass, ended up throwing Chris Carter's hundreds touchdown pass at the end of the season. But but that year, I you know, broke my ankle in the second game of the season and came back about game nine. Randall got hurt, and then I broke my thumb in that game, so I was kind of out for really the whole year. And to be honest with you, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I don't think with my hand that year I could have played the whole year. Hmm. And to be able to throw the deep, deep balls to Randy Malls at that time, I probably didn't have the arm with the surgery that I went through. It's probably a blessing in disguise. And um, Randall went on to win the MVP. That was a 15-1 year, as everybody knows, and and I, I still felt like the end of the year I was good enough to play and could have felt like I could have done a lot of those similar things. But, you know, so I probably needed that year to kind of recover looking back at it. And then I was able to move on. So you got to find the positives out of it. That's the way I looked at it. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back after this with more from Brad Johnson right after this. Heading to a game at U.S. Bank Stadium this season? Well, try the new Vikings-inspired beer from Hop Valley Brewing. Crafted for the fans who bleed purple, Hop Hala Hazy IPA is the game day grog for all Valhalla. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with Vikings legend Brad Johnson. Pete Bursich and Mark Rosen here with uh, Brad Johnson, former Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Brad, you had an offensive line, I think, kind of for the ages between Todd Stucey, Dave Dixon, Jeff Christie, Randall McDaniel, um, and I don't know if Corey Stringer, if you were with Corey, Corey for Stringer. a little bit too yep. as well. 
What were those five clowns like? I mean, what, what, I mean, you know, you mentioned the injuries, but you had to feel pretty good playing behind what I think is one of the better offensive lines that this team has seen. One hundred percent. I mean, we actually did. I don't know if you remember, we did a McDonald's commercial together. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I had, had that cheesy McDonald's. I think the quarter pounders were like fifty-five cents at that time. <laughs> so we did a big McDonald's commercial. So. Yeah, I mean, you don't realize the greatness until after you look back and you say, golly, those were, you know, five Pro Bowl players, to be honest with you. And, yep. and they sustained for so long. They were great guys, hard workers. They cared about the game. And there was so much success that took place that, you know, a lot of times, you know, the receivers, Chris Carter or Randy Moss or Jake Reed, they got a lot of the credit. And Robert Smith got a lot of the credit. Later, you know, Randall Cunningham was the MVP and Warren Moon was there and he was Hall of Famer later on. I'm like, well, you know, the, the backbone of that offense really was the offensive line. When you really look at it, those guys were together and we could we were able to run the ball, we were able to throw the ball. Looking back as, you know, a special group. Well, you eventually struck gold with the Tampa Bay Bucks in the 2002-03 season, winning the Super Bowl, beating the Raiders 48-21 under Chucky, old John Gruden. Was it everything you expected it to be? Because, you know, it's the ultimate goal uh, in a team, the ultimate team game is to to get that ring. And you look back on your years, you look back on your career, um, how how much does that just sort of stand out head and shoulders above everything else? Yeah, it's the cherry on top. When people ask me about my career, I really talk about how much I enjoy the grind and the, the grit that it took to have a 17-year career. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, looking back, at that's, that's a special. But then to win the ultimate game, the Super Bowl, like in my career, like I never won a state championship, never won a national championship. Like you said, did I ever win the last game of the year? The last game of the year. That means you won it all. And so in 1987, I was trying to choose if I was going to play football or basketball. And uh, I remember the great Phil Sims was playing for the, uh, the New York Giants, and he beat the great John Elway with the Denver Broncos. And at the end of the game, confetti was falling on his face. He said, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, we all started saying that. We're going to Disney World. <laughs> Not having a clue. And then 16 years later, you know, Tampa Bay, we we, we win it. And the confetti's falling on my face. And I'm holding my two-year-old son, Max, at the time mm. in my arms. And Nikki's seven and a half months pregnant with the other son, Jake. And, and you know, I'm saying, I'm going to Disney World. You know, so it's <laughs> It's, it's it's very surreal, and for quarterbacks, I think there's only 35 guys that have ever won it. 31 of us are living still. It's probably the most unique group that you could ever be a part of. There's 46 or seven presidents, and there's you know a bunch of Kentucky Derby winners, and a bunch of Master winners, and a bunch of the. It's probably the most the smallest unique group of guys that have ever won it. Well, there there are more of you than there are Mark Rosens. Let's put it that way. There's only there's only one Rosie, baby. Yeah, okay. uh, no doubt. You, you know, you bring no up doubt. your sons Jake and Max. Mm-hmm. Um, in this day, I mean, there's so many people who have kids that are in sports, high school sports, and 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 they're just looking for advice. They just want to know. Uh, you being on the inside, having been through it as a player, obviously, now as a parent, and you, both your sons are at Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. what's that experience like, and what advice do you have for for parents of young athletes? Wow, you could write a book on it. <laughs> yeah, not for sure. You you want kids to blaze their own trail. If they, whatever sport they want to do, whatever activity they want to do, whatever passion they have. You need to let them go for it and hopefully provide every opportunity for them to whatever that is. And, and along the way, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be all the above. And as a parent, you've kind of become a psychologist and <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy the great moments. And here comes a tough moment. And, you know, for us, you know, it's like you got two kids that are playing at college level. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, one might have had a good game. One might have had a bad game. Like, which one are we going to – how are we going to get through this night, you know? So, but they, you want them to love what they do. 
and uh, it's pretty it's pretty awesome uh, to watch them kind of blaze their own trail and and they actually got to throw a couple touchdowns at each other, which doesn't really happen that much at this level. How cool! Is really yeah. unique. Yeah, we might see you in the booth, uh, you know, in the NFL. Come, you know, seeing both of them play, you'll have a jersey split in half, and one of them will be Dayton Taylor <laughs> yeah. Swift. What do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds of that happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about Taylor Swift, but everything else would be pretty cool. Hey, Brad, again, we're talking to Brad Johnson. I'm um, fascinated uh, and uh, transfixed with your um, video basketball trick shots that you put on the Internet. Yeah. My goodness, you've created quite um, a following. And it, how much fun is yeah, that? It, it started when the pandemic hit. Mm. And, uh, my kids were on, they were on TikTok and we were trying to make a dance video and I couldn't dance with them. And then, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, I'll be the camera holder, you know? So, but then you start looking at it. You're like, golly, there's a lot of really talented people doing stuff. I said, well, I can throw a football and I can shoot a basketball. So I started making these videos, trying to make three, four, five shots in a row. that were like, how hard could I make it? To be honest with you, like trick shots, not mm-hmm. just one, but just try to make, it had to be in sequence. So that stuff, like people ask you like, how long does it take? And I say, well, sometimes it's first time, first take. Sometimes it's a, it's a lifetime of practice, you know, really. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it takes what it takes with how long it takes them to make it. So, uh, But when you see me celebrate at the end of those things, it's, it's true jubilation because it was pretty difficult, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> we got to get you on Dude Perfect. you got two kids in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah they become – I mean, they're a machine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, for me, it's, it's me, a ball, and a tripod camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things, obviously this weekend, uh, when the Vikings take the field, we're going to have a new quarterback. Could be a rookie, could be somebody else. We just don't – we don't know yet. What advice would you have for someone making their first mm-hmm. start in the NFL as a quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of get out of the way. Run the ball. Simplify it, yeah. Oh, man. You know what? You're going to be nervous. You're going to be excited. Everyone knows it's your first start. All all eyes are on you. But at the end of the day, it's what you've done your whole life. And you got to have your first. You know what I mean? First start, first completion, first everything. And until you go through it, you you don't know. But you're prepared. you got to believe in the players around you. And I always say just make the routine plays routine, and the big plays will happen. So it'll be fun to see him get his first start. Well, you got a great family. Uh, I have nothing but fond memories of working with you on, on Sports Sunday and your your wonderful mother and, of course, getting to know Nikki. And your kids were pretty small yeah. back then. But uh, Minnesota, I know, in, in a lot of sense, is always going to be kind of home, home away from home for you. It is. I mean, I spent, I spent nine years of my life up there. I mean, mm-hmm. I spent really like 11 months in Gage Hall down there at Main <laughs> Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, I mean, you know, people in Minnesota, they accepted me. And I nine years of my life there, great friendships, relationships still to this day. And and um, so i just, you know, thankful for, for all that time up there. You know what I mean? So big biking fans, but a big, you know, Minnesota fan too. Well, the good news is, is Gage Hall no longer exists. They imploded it. <laughs> I know. The bad know. news is, is there's already snow on the ground up here. <laughs> So I'm, I'm sure you miss that too, right? Yeah, I do miss that. When you go to buy a car, it's like, nah, you got to get a four-wheel drive, dude. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brad Johnson, again, it's been great catching up with you today. Thanks for uh, sharing your skull stories with us and uh, take care of you and, you and your family and uh, appreciate the time today. No, awesome. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you, Pete. Miss you guys. I appreciate everything y'all do. Thank y'all. Well, again, a big thank you to Brad for joining the show tonight, one of the great guys in the business that uh, I've had a chance to work with over the years. And All right, Pete, we, we all know what happened on Sunday with the uh, 
Kirk Cousins' unfortunate injury in Green Bay. It's a big shame for so many reasons. He was playing some, maybe the best football of his career. The offense had really been clicking during the month of October, but uh, that's the thing about the NFL. It, it waits for no one. As Kevin O'Connell said, no one's going to feel sorry for us. The team now has to shift their focus to the game down in Atlanta on Sunday where the Falcons are 3-1 and one at home this season. That being said, their defense just gave up four touchdowns to Titans rookie quarterback Will Levis last week down in Nashville. So how do you see us being able to attack mm. this Falcons defense if Jaron Hall does get the start? Do they, how much do they have to simplify things, or you know, just where's where's this offense going to be? The question is, and the hard part is, is, is just how good this defense is. If you look at them from a numerical standpoint, this is a sixth-ranked defense that we're going up against. Mm-hmm. The other part that's interesting too is they're tied for third best on third down. So third down, right? That's that's going to be an mm-hmm. issue for whomever's in there. But their defense, we saw especially uh, against Tennessee, they the DBs expect the ball to be thrown at a specific time because they get pressure on the quarterback and when it's not, they get caught flat-footed, which explains all the DeAndre Hopkins and a lot of mm-hmm. some of the big plays that Tennessee was able to 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 produce now for us. That's tough because you're going to have a young quarterback, right? And the short passes in a short passing game is, is, is going to be difficult. But there will be, I think, some explosive opportunities there. It's just a matter of uh, whether or not we can get it done. Pete Bursich, you spent a lot of times uh, in defensive huddles, both as a player, as a coach. And this, uh, this, this unit right now for the Vikings has gotten stingier and stingier as the season's gone along. They've kept four of their last five opponents to 17 points or less, and there seems to be a bonding uh, experience going on. Maybe they are going to rally around Kirk Cousins' injury as well, knowing there's going to even be more pressure on them to kind of hold down the opponents because the Vikings may have trouble scoring a lot of points. So if you look at what uh, Brian Flores is doing and his staff, are you seeing them clicking at – at the highest level that they can be at, because Harrison Phillips is playing awfully yeah, well. They're all they're all they're all doing their thing right now across the board. I think everybody's playing better than they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other key thing too is I, I listening to the to the player interviews after the game to a man. They all said we've got to do more. We yeah. have to play better. And so you look back at the first three four weeks of the season and the, and the adversity that we had had to overcome or try to overcome at those times. And it started in the Chicago game, right? We have a turnover. The defense gets the ball right back. And then it happens again against San Francisco. And then, we, you know, you get a couple turnovers against Green Bay. It's like they've taken that next step where it's like it's not about what happens to us. It's how we react to it. So hopefully, and they said it to the man, everybody's going to have to pick up their game, right? You lose, you, you lose Kirk Cousins. Everybody has to pick up some of the slack. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in that group now. We're going to yeah. need them. They're, they're going to have to be uh, dynamic and outstanding the rest of the uh, season. They, they sure have been a lot of fun to watch, and I think everyone will be watching to see how the Vikings handle the adversity this week down at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. A reminder, again, it's a noon kickoff locally in KMSP Fox 9. You can also, of course, catch the game right here all across the Vikings radio network, so be sure to check local listings for details. Pete, always a pleasure having you on the show, and thank you fans for tuning in to another edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.